Welcome to the MLB Trade Rumors Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the MLB Trade Rumors Podcast. The date is Tuesday, June 27th of 2023, as we are recording this. My name is Dara McDonald. I'm an MLB TR writer. Fun fact about me is I use my larynx to produce sounds, and I'm going to use my mouth to form those sounds to be about baseball. Uh, With me this week, also with a larynx to provide for the show, is my colleague Mm -hmm. Steve Adams. Hello. Uh, I do have a larynx, and I will do my best to uh, to use it to the best of my abilities today. No promises, but uh, I guess we're off to a decent start. <laughs> we are using the uh, molecules in the air to create sound, and it's off to a great start. Um, it's incredible. We are going to dive right in here in a sec. Just quickly, before we get into it, you know that you can get the written form analysis at MLBTradeRumors.com, and you can also sign up for our newsletter at MLBTradeRumors.com forward slash newsletter, and then you will get the updates directly into your email. Um, But without further ado, let's talk about what's going on in the baseball world for the past week or so. Now, this late June is not usually a time where we see notable trades every once in a while a guy gets designated for assignment and gets flipped for cash or something like that but we actually saw some headline deals made by the angels uh because basically all of their infield is injured Gio Urshela might be done for the year he has a fractured pelvis Anthony Rendon and Zach Neto are also on the injured list so they went out and got both Eduardo Escobar from the Mets and Mike Moustakis from the Rockies. What were your thoughts on these moves, Steve? I think they're fine. Um, kind of, you know, stop gaps for the time being. Um, I don't know that either one of these guys is necessarily going to be looked at as, you know, a decisive solution for the remainder of the season, necessarily. Moustakis especially. Um, he's been playing kind of a smaller role in Colorado and, and you know, obviously has had quite a few tough years Um prior to even landing with the Rockies um, this past offseason. But it kind of reflects the state of the trade market right now. You know, um, there's not a lot of necessarily clear-cut sellers who are ready to trade, you know, difference-making kind of impact players. Um, Moustakis, like I said, has kind of been in a bench role. Um, Escobar has kind of been pushed out of his starting role over in, in Queens and kind of for a while now has looked like he might be somebody that's kind of on the outside looking in uh, with the Mets. So it's, it's not a huge surprise to see them, you know, be willing to move him. I think it maintains a lot of the the infield depth that the the angels had um, when they went out and got a guy like Urshela, you know, they recently brought David Fletcher back up, you know, they'd outright him off the 40 man roster after he'd had some struggles, but he really ripped up triple a pitching, you know, came back with a four hit game. He can play all over the infield. Luis Rangifo can play all over the infield. You know, Moustakas can play both corners. Escobar can play second base or third base. So they still have, you know, that veteran flexibility, but I'm not sure that they're necessarily married to the idea that uh, they can't go out and further upgrade once the trade market takes a little bit more concrete shape uh, a month or so from now. Yeah, they have they have flexibility. And I think it makes mm-hmm. sense for the Angels based on, you know, we've seen in some past years where they have obviously incredible uh, ceiling from guys like Trout and Otani and others, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, injuries uh, and a lack of depth have seemed to 
drag them down. So to have a whole bunch of guys like the ones you mentioned and Brandon Drury as well, like guys who can move all around, yeah. it just gives you more safety net to whether, you know, they, they're dealing with three injuries right now and they're kind of, uh, oh, we have solutions. Um, and yeah, it's true. You mentioned that they're not, you know, there's nothing here that's going to prevent them from making further moves. In both cases, uh, Escobar and Moose, they're not financially committed either. So with Moustakis, he's still, this is the last year of his deal with the Reds who released him. So he's, you know, the Angels are only going to have to pay him the prorated league minimum. And then the same thing with the Escobar deal, the Mets basically are eating all of the money. So if at any point the Angels decide that they don't like Escobar or Moustakis or they get somebody better or somebody comes, you know, gets healthy and comes back up, they can just pull the ripcord and get out of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think, like I said, they're kind of stopgap moves, um, kind of biding their time until uh, the trade market takes a little bit more concrete shape. I don't know. It'll depend on how healthy they get. I still see, you know, starting pitching as uh, as as a need for them. Um Patrick Sandoval hasn't played as well or pitched as well as I think they'd hope. Tyler Anderson hasn't had the first year that I'm sure they envisioned when they signed him to a three-year contract. Uh, Griffin Canning has had a nice bounce back, but he's barely pitched the past couple of years due to injuries. So I think you can probably see the Angels still um, in that market for pitching help uh, in in a month or so. And and if if Moustakis isn't hitting, if Escobar isn't hitting, then you know maybe they're still in the market for some additional infield help as well. I think the the thing that Angels fans need to keep in mind is maybe Moustakis and Escobar aren't the you know, exciting, splashy deadline moves that you're you know hoping for to really signal that yeah, this team's going for it and we're in contention. You know, we're not going to trade Otani and we're gonna we're gonna go for it, but they don't have to be. Those moves probably aren't out there right now, so it doesn't hurt to just go and and get some help at a, at a clear position that uh, is is stretched for depth right now. Right. And uh, we don't need to spend too much time on this, but uh, you did mention that they're not trading Otani. I feel like this keeps coming up, uh, whether or not they'll yeah. trade Otani. Somebody actually asked General Manager Perry Manassian this week, and he said their approach would be self-explanatory. So it yeah. seems like everybody is on the same page that he is not going to get traded. Anything further you want to add or just you agree? I mean, <laughs> like it... <laughs> I understand he's a free agent at the end of the year. Everybody wants to see him on the trade market, just like everybody wants to, you know, follow him in free agency. Any what fan and GM president, for that matter, wouldn't want to dream about you know Otani on their team, even if it's only for a couple of months. Uh, the Angels are a half game out of a wild card spot in the American League right now. They are five back in the division, which is perfectly within reach. They have played competitive baseball all season. They have a plus 42 run differential. They have a, a pretty good pitching staff, even with some of the the recent, you know, the, the struggles that I mentioned and, and depth issues. They're not going to do it. If, if they lose 15 games in a row and they're, you know, 20 back in the NL or the ALS, excuse me, with a week to the trade deadline. OK, let's talk about it until something drastic and crazy like that happens. It's not worth uh, diving much further into, like you said. Right. Well, let's pivot to the NL Central, which has been uh, in the spotlight for the past little bit. There have been we had various reports on the site this yeah. week about who's buying, who's selling, what's going on. It seems like it's uh, shuffling from day to day. It feels very tenuous. For instance, we had a report on mm -hmm. the site. June 21st, so uh, in the middle of last week, that said the the Pirates were thinking about buying, but things haven't gone so well since then, eh? Yeah, not so much. Um, I don't think it changes much, though. 
it's like you said, the, the NL Central is really fluid, and it's only natural that their you know team president Travis Williams would come out and say it wasn't, hey, we are going to be buyers. It was if this team is you know competing and, and in the mix late next month, we'll absolutely give you know Ben Sherrington the support that he needs, and, and we'll you know we'll green light him to go ahead to add to the roster, you know, add to payroll if we need to, et cetera. Um, paraphrasing obviously, but. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, had some fun with that because the Pirates were in the middle of that you know, giant losing streak at the time, and they haven't really pulled out of it yet either. Um, but even for as as badly as they played, you know, you, you lose twelve out of thirteen games, they're seven under five hundred. They're still five and a half back in the division. Um, so it doesn't really change that much. I feel like because every team in this division, maybe except the Cardinals right now, but everyone's about one series sweep away from suddenly being you know right back uh in in the thick of contention or you know being swept in the other direction and, and suddenly being you know in, in the spot the pirates are in right now where you're four or five games out and trying to claw back up um there's the report yesterday about the rangers showing interest in andrew mccutcheon pirates not being ready to move that kind of falls under a little bit self-explanatory as well i feel like you know mccutcheon said a month ago he doesn't want to continue his career anywhere else you know he's it's it's kind of been out there since he first signed back with the pirates that this is where he wants to wrap up the rest of his career unless he specifically goes to the front office and says hey you know move me um they're probably not going to do it i don't think that is indicative at all of the pirates suddenly now looking at this and saying hey we're going to be sellers it's uh it's been a tough stretch for them if they can't bounce back and get back closer to 500 and, and in contention with the deadline you know a week or so out then maybe they'll look to sell some some short-term pieces. But right now, the division is just so underwhelming that I don't think you can look at any of the five teams, Cardinals included, and say, oh, well, this is a, a, a surefire you know, seller at the trade deadline. Yeah, it's wide open. We've, we've talked about it before. And, you know, the Pirates, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to being open to buying at the deadline, they're also acting like they want to win. They promoted Henry Davis last week and then uh, Nick Gonzalez recently. Yep. So they're making moves, you know, trying, it seems like they're trying to do what's best for the team right now and, you know, see yeah. if they can hang in it for another month. And if not, you know, it's not the end of the world because they're, you know, they weren't really expecting to be in it this year anyway. So Mm -hmm. Um, one other club that has shuffled around with the constantly changing fortunes in the NL Central is the Cubs, who not too long ago seemed like maybe they were being positioned towards sellers, but they've been hot of late. And even though they're below 500, they're only three games out in the division. And so Tom Ricketts came out this week and said that they're, said that they're buyers yeah i mean the their buyers kind of for right now or was, was that his uh buyers right now was his quote so it's, yes it's, again same with same as with the pirates like i feel like everybody wants to know where these teams are going to go but the 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 reality is that you know these teams themselves don't know right now it's if if the cubs play 500 baseball or or slightly better over the course of the next four weeks, then yeah, they probably will go out and try to supplement uh, the group. They've obviously kind of moved out of the rebuilding, the pure rebuilding phase where they wouldn't have spent, you know, $177 million on, on Dansby Swanson this off season and brought back, you know, Drew Smiley on a two year deal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, They're obviously open to making a push here in 2023. If they are in position for that, closer to the deadline and it's it's frustrating for fans but you kind of just have to let them play out because teams are less reactive now than ever before i feel like they're not going to make a rash decision uh here late in june 
they probably won't decide definitively and aggressively one way or the other until, you know, two, three days before the deadline, especially in a division like the NL Central, where there's just, again, no separation. No one seems to really want to win this division. So uh, we'll see how things go um, over the course of the next month. But yeah, Tom Ricketts, the most notable thing about him saying that we're buyers right now is just that it kind of signifies that there's probably more room to add to the payroll um, if things do go well for them over the next month. Absolutely. And although it is constantly changing, it seems like the club with the least chance of pulling away with it, at least right now, is the St. Louis Cardinals, who have been mired in mm-hmm. last place for quite a while. Despite their meager 32 and 45 record, they are only eight and a half games out of the division. So it's not entirely impossible that they get back into it. But it seems like they're starting to accept the fact that they might have to make some tough decisions in the next few weeks. So John Mosellock came out and said as much this week, didn't he, Steve? Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals haven't, like, basically in, in our adult lifetime i feel like gone through like any kind of they, they've been one of the teams that that pretty staunchly um refuses the the full scale you know tear down and, and rebuild um and they've been almost perennial contenders uh, largely because of that i do think there will be barring one of the you know type of i think they had a 17 game winning streak last year and they had a big winning streak in september the year before you know as the deadline approaches i think yeah you could see Guys like Jack Flaherty, especially Jordan Montgomery, drawing interest. They have a lot of outfielders who are going to be of interest to other clubs. They have a lot of prospects without, you know, clear path to to playing time in the majors. Um, Somebody like Ivan Herrera, their top catching prospect, doesn't have an avenue to be their starting catcher for the time being. So he's somebody who a lot of other teams could look at. You know, I expect them to be active on the trade market, but when you look at the core of this team and, and and some of the talent that they have and the farm system that they have behind it, they they have a nice kind of like core group here with a lot of high end prospects, um, and they don't need to to tear things down because the young talent, the the young major league ready talent that you know a lot of teams kind of seek when they go through that rebuilding process, sort of already there. Um, so I think it's more of a situation, yeah, where things didn't work out this year or they haven't yet. But that doesn't mean that they're going to say, okay, well, you know, we just don't have a winning team here, the nucleus here. We need to blow this up for the next three or four years. Um, I I expect that they'll move some short-term pieces. Jordan Montgomery will be a very attractive rental pitcher in particular. And then, yeah, you can look at, you know, retooling and and kind of taking another shot beginning in 2024. Yeah, they're in, if if they don't get on one of their hot streaks in the next few weeks they're in a very interesting position to cash in at a time when there's very few sellers they have some rental pitching they have some controllable position players where they could move them without hurting their own long-term chances because they seem to have so many infielders and so many outfielders so they could really be huge players in the next few weeks and uh, make the deadline really interesting and then just you know run a you know, still run a good team out next year in a a division that nobody's running away with. Yeah. And it could even be that they, you know, don't necessarily harm themselves all that much down the stretch this year. Like you talk about, you know, some of the the outfielders they have, whether it's, you know, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Alec Burleson, I mentioned Devon Herrera, top catching prospect. 
these are players that you could get, you know, big league ready help for the rotation, you know, right now kind of thing, controllable, you know, pitchers who they can control beyond the current season um, and possibly kind of, you know, revamp the major league team on the fly while, like you said, leaning on some of that depth that they have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one other big development this uh, week that we should probably touch on, although we won't have <laughs> too much to say about it, is uh, Aaron Judge is perhaps more injured than it initially seemed. He was initially diagnosed with, I mean, it's his toe. I think it was a sprain or a strain initially. Uh, it was a sprain initially, but now it, he has apparently torn a ligament. So he doesn't seem close to a return, which, you know, my in-depth analysis is that that is bad for the Yankees. How about you, Steve? Yeah, it's 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 bad. You know, there's there's been a lot of talk because of the terminology. I mean, like, whenever you see a sprain, a, a sprain by definition is stretching or tearing of a ligament uh, or tendon. A strain by definition is stretching or tearing of a muscle. Um, so there's some semantics at play here where people, you know, I think panicked suddenly you hear a tear and it's like, well, originally it was just a sprain. It's like by definition, there's, there's some degree of stretching and tearing. Uh, whenever you see somebody diagnosed with a sprain, that's why, you know, elbow sprains are so ominous for pitchers every time it happens. Um, yeah. It's, you know, judges kind of basically come out and said, he doesn't know exactly when he'll be back and he doesn't want to put a timeline on it. I saw John Heyman with the New York post quoted, you know, one unnamed person with the Yankees who said, there's a scenario where he could be back a week or two after the all-star break, but that's nobody really seems to want to put a, a, a definitive timeline on it. Um, you know, it's, it's brutal for the Yankees, but we kind of marvel at this regularly. It seems like every year, you know, whether it's judge uh, LeMahieu Stanton, they, they lose key hitters from their lineup and they, you know, you, you hear the, the next man up mantra repeated over and over and, and you'll get, you know, a, a Jake Bowers or Billy McKinney or whoever coming up and, and surprisingly kind of keeping things afloat. Um, they've had injuries in the rotation in recent years and, and again this year. And, you know, it's it's it is a testament to the team that uh, they seem thin on depth so often and then they somehow, you know, find a way to coax the the best possible performance out of so many journeyman depth pieces. And, and it's, it's impressive and they deserve credit for, for really still being in the thick of things. So good on them. It's a testament to the organization and, you know, we'll see if they can, can keep things afloat until the deadline and, and probably look to add some more pieces then. Absolutely. Very, very tight in the wildcard race. The Yankees, Blue Jays, Astros and Angels are all within one game of each other with two spots available. All right, let's get to some of your questions. We got many, many questions. People are obviously very excited about the upcoming deadline or either excited or terrified, depending on who is asking the question. Um, first question is from Ben. How do you think the Red Sox will approach the deadline? Will they try to toe the line like last season, which did not work? Um, yeah, you know, I don't think that's a thing that's unique to the Red Sox, you know, kind of towing that line. Um, I think you just see more and more teams, uh, especially with the wider playoff field now. There are fewer just concrete sellers, and a lot of the concrete sellers are because they're a team like the A's or Royals, where they don't have a ton to offer um, teams that are looking to buy. So it naturally just kind of forces teams into um, making a trade from some surplus areas of, of major league depth to try to line up on more of a, a quote pure baseball trade. Um, 
And I do think the the Red Sox will probably be in that same kind of lane again this year. You mentioned how tight the uh, the American League wildcard race is with the Yankees, Blue Jays, Astros, and Angels all within a game of each other. The Red Sox are a game over 500, and they're only three games out. The Mariners are a game under 500. They're only four out. Um, you know, the Guardians are just a game back from that. So you have seven teams there that are basically within, you know, five games of each other for the, those final two uh, wildcard spots. There's going to be some trading off of big league rosters, um, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck is, you know, had a, a nice season in, in AAA. Doesn't seem to have like a a, a long term role on the roster right now. He's back up and kind of a bench role. Um, he's somebody who they could market to other teams who are looking for some power off the bench. The Red Sox have moved Nick Pavetta to the bullpen. He has another year of club control left. Uh, maybe he's not in their rotation plans long term anymore. But another club looks at him and says, "Oh, hey, here's somebody who we think we can, you know, kind of." get back on track in a, in a rotation role uh, and have him around for next year as well. So you could see some kind of dealing. Those are just two guys that you know, off the top of my head make sense. Um, but I, I do think it'll be more of that kind of straddling the line between traditional buyer and seller um, and really just looking at areas on areas of depth from which they can deal comfortably, even if those are major league ready uh, players or contributors. Yeah. I think there's a couple places on the roster where they could, theoretically subtract somebody and not be too worse for wear uh, you just mentioned a couple i think adam duvall would maybe be another because um you know jaron duran has was stepped up while duvall was on the injured list and sort of seemed to be having a better time at the big league level than he had in in previous auditions so you know maybe you feel like you could trade somebody like duvall and then just let Duran take over in center and uh it doesn't hurt your chances this season too much and you get something that helps you in the future um and then i guess a big wild card which who knows what uh it will be but uh trevor story has been out all year mm-hmm. uh working his way back now supposedly could come back in the next few weeks as a designated hitter bryce harper style and then hoping to be at shortstop after that. So then, you know, maybe that makes somebody else on the roster expendable if Trevor Story comes back and looks like the Trevor Story of old, but that's a big if. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. But yeah, I suppose, like you said, they're only three games out right now. So if you're a Red Sox fan, I don't think you want them to like blow the whole thing up when they're only out by three games, right? So it sort of makes sense to make a couple of additions and see what happens. Okay, let's move on to another question. This one is from Stu. I would like to know what you think the Padres are going to do. They have numerous holes in that lineup. They are selling out game after game at home. You think major trades forthcoming or what? I always think a major trade is forthcoming with the Padres. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their their president of baseball operations, AJ Preller, uh, has just shown time and time again that if uh, a big name is going to hit the trade market, or the free agent market, he is going to be involved, whether there is a clear fit or not. Um, you could argue that perhaps that's part of the reason that they've uh, they struggled this year is that it's just been you know kind of shoehorning um, a lot of uh, you know big name players, big name talents into the lineup and just saying you know we'll figure out the positions. It doesn't really matter. We'll make it work. We'll put Tatis in the outfield. We'll move Jake Cronenworth to first base. Well, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I know that, you know, the, the Padres are very clearly in win now mode and they're just there. There is not a marquee trade candidate or free agent that 
goes by without them throwing their hat into the ring and at least seeing if they can, you know, work something out. Uh, the The farm system has obviously been depleted by last year's trade for Juan Soto among the many, many, many other trades the Padres have made. Um, but it's not completely and utterly devoid of talent. Uh, they, like so many other teams, have some, you know, big league caliber and big league ready names that they could potentially shop to other clubs. So they're six and a half back from a wild card spot right now. They don't look like they're a, a factor in the division nine and a half games back. I still expect them to to act like the Padres that we've come to know over the past several years and and be right in the thick of trying to upgrade at at basically any spot uh, where they feel like they can can wedge somebody onto the roster because they've they've really shown that they aren't going to look at a position and say, oh, well, we're set here. Uh, it's it's more like, is this guy talented? Yes. OK, well, let's go get him and we'll figure it all out later. I think that's their mentality and, and that will continue to be. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, they have disappointed so far in that they're below 500. And like you said, they're six and a half out. But uh, I'm looking at the standings now. They are one of only six clubs in the National League with a positive run differential. That's crazy. Um, the Marlins are at minus 15 because they keep winning every one run game. So they're well above 500 despite a negative run differential. Philadelphia and Cincinnati are somewhat similar, negative run differential, but above 500. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres went on a nice little run and got right in there, um, had better results, and then bought at the deadline and then went on a hot streak in the second half at some point. All right, let's get to one more question here. This one is from Eric what do you think are the chances that Atlanta trade Vaughn Grissom at the deadline? And what caliber of player do you believe a package built around Grissom would bring in? Um, I don't think they are going to go out and, you know, aggressively shop Vaughn Grissom. You know, he's kind of uh, taken a backseat now with the, the huge season that uh, Orlando Arcia has stepped up and had uh, as their starting shortstop in the wake of Dansby Swanson's departure. That certainly gives them... Uh, the ability to be more open to the idea of trading Grissom, but I don't think it's necessarily something they're going to aggressively pursue. Um, as for what he could bring back, I mean, he's 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 a big league ready position player who's had some success in the majors, um, but he's still you know a young kid who jumped to the majors right from Double A, skipped Triple A entirely. So. I still think a lot of teams are going to look at him and this is somebody you can control for six years who, even if he's not an everyday shortstop, you certainly feel like he could probably play second base left field. He's having a nice, not amazing season in AAA, but a, a nice season down there. He's pretty much ready for the big leagues. I look at the Braves um, and if they did want to move him, I think one area you could look uh, would be in, in that rotation. Um, you know, they've had a lot of injuries there this year. They're hoping they get Max Freed and Kyle Wright back healthy at some point later in the summer. But it's a lot of uh, uncertainty in the rotation. Uh, Morton's a free agent at the end of the season. Max Freed only has the one year of club control left after this year. So if you can get somebody that you can plug into the rotation to help stabilize things down the stretch this year, and then also, you know, take up a spot in that rotation uh, after this season, I, I think that holds, you know, tremendous appeal. Uh, the Braves, they've shown uh, a willingness to get creative, an ability to get creative uh, on the trade market. They went the three-team route to bring in Sean Murphy this past offseason and, and traded away William Contreras. Uh, could be a similar situation. There are teams 
you know, Dodgers have a lot of young pitching, could use some middle infield help. Um, you know, the, the Pirates don't have a lot of, uh, don't, don't necessarily have a, a set long-term answer at second base. They're hoping that's going to be Nick Gonzalez, but there are plenty of teams that could, you know, use some, some extra middle infield depth um, and three team scenarios, obviously open up uh, a world of possibilities uh, to bring in some, some pitching help. Uh, do you have any teams that you you know feel like are a particularly good fit, Dara? Well, I think the best fit uh, in a vacuum would probably be the Marlins because they have lots of pitching and could use some middle infield help. But obviously, as competitors in the National League East, uh, that's unlikely to come together. But yeah, no, the Dodgers, I think, make sense. They're a good fit. Like, obviously, they've been dealing, uh, scrambling in the middle infield all year. So I think that's a really good fit. But yeah, it's interesting, you know, to the question, I didn't really think about uh, Grissom as a trade candidate until I got that question. But now that I think about it, you know, Atlanta has traded away a lot of guys who have gotten like a little taste of major league action and then just quickly Mm -hmm. flipped them. So like, you know, Christian Pache and uh, Contreras that, uh, you know, they give them a little taste. And if they don't immediately fit into the plans, you know, Alex Anthopoulos has shown a willingness to, you know, use them to get something else. So you know, it's a very interesting because uh, Grissom doesn't really have a path right now. I mean, I guess you could argue for left field, but in the in the middle infield, you know, uh, Albies and Arcia are both there for a couple more years. Yeah. All right. That does it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We have just over a month till the trade deadline, so you know what time it is. It's the time to refresh MLBTradeRumors.com every day, every few hours. We're going to have all the coverage for you. Uh, We're going to be doing the podcasts. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign up for the front office package and get even more content in your email. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Remember to visit MLBTradeRumors.com and follow us on Twitter at MLBTradeRumors.com. 